Hello and welcome to the Forbes India Special Report podcast in association with Indicast. My name is Abhishek, and today the big news that has been flashed across all media vehicles is that uh, the government has decided to end its control over the petrol prices and leave them to be determined by the market forces. Now, joining me over the phone to talk about this latest and a very eventful development is the associate editor of Forbes India, Kaku Paul, who has been tracking all such government moves since the mid 90s. Thanks for joining me, Kaku. You're welcome. What are your views on this decision to quote unquote decontrol the prices? Is it populist, ambitious, knee jerk? Uh, it's Abhishek. It's certainly not knee jerk. I mean, we've been hearing about this for the past, say, about ten years easily, and there have been several committees and a whole lot of deliberations on decontrol that have gone on. In fact, uh, it was something that most people thought would never happen mm-hmm. here in India because it's been delayed so long, and it was quite a surprise. In fact, I was uh, even reading that Kirit Parikh, the gentleman who uh, did the last report on um, how the government should proceed, was surprised himself to <laughs> hear that the government has finally moved uh, on it. But I would say that uh, it is too little, too late, really, mm-hmm. because the way it looks. Uh, now is that uh, they have it looks like more that petrol prices have been freed and petrol is just one of the four transportation fuels that was still under government control and diesel lpg and kerosene will still be controlled by the government and they haven't uh, given a timetable yet on when those might be freed uh, in fact in the case of kerosene and lpg it is unlikely that they will ever be market determined mm-hmm. but for diesel they have said that they would look at it at some time so it is really i mean it's really more like a patchwork kind of a thing it's more a price hike with a intent to be controlled than a complete decontrol especially since diesel the largest of these uh, transport fuels which constitutes about 40% is left out of the ambit in, in fact it's interesting you say that because uh, five times more diesel is consumed as compared to petrol and yet they have not done anything in the decontrolling department there but then the companies are rejoicing like for instance ONGC Gale India who are the upstream so called uh, petroleum uh, companies who are involved in exploration and then the downstream retailers like IOC BPCL HPCL and then you have the private players they would probably tend to disagree with you wouldn't you think because for them it, it's good news isn't it Abhishek, because you know, for all these years, they have been faring so badly. So any small scrap that comes, and even any intent to really go ahead and decontrol itself, is very positive for them. And that was reflected in their stock prices yesterday, which have been depressed artificially for no fault of theirs for the past so many years. I mean, these companies have suffered on account of uh, of government policy. You mentioned the upstream companies like ONGC and Oil India. Uh, and gale these three companies were bearing a huge burden quarter after quarter where they were putting one third of the losses being subsidized by them so obviously this amount would now come down since uh, part of the burden has shifted to the consumer because of the decontrol so that's good news for them on the part of companies like indian oil and hpcl and bpcl which are the fuel retailers they were suffering because they never had any retail margins uh, to look at in most cases in particularly in the past 2 uh, 3 years it's been a high oil price regime and uh, they have uh, always sold at a price cheaper than what it costs them to buy from the refinery so that means they have been functioning with what they call negative margins right. uh, so they also would be happy now that at least in case of petrol they will get parity of prices even if it is not yet in diesel lpg and kerosene 
In fact, uh, since you mentioned that last year all these retailers lost to the tune of 5,000 crores, which is a, a big amount, and this is in spite of the assistance given by the government of 26,000 crores. And these upstream companies, PSUs, they contribute 14 odd thousand crores. Now, I also read in the papers that there is this concept of under recoveries. What is that all about? This is the amount that is lost by these companies. Uh, under recoveries is oil company jargon actually and it's a word that is unique to India really uh, Abhishek. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean over the years uh, a whole lot of lexicon has developed out of the oil industry. <laughs> Words like the oil pool account and under recoveries which are really so unique to India. What right. it really means is it is the difference between what it costs the oil companies to bring a liter of fuel to the petrol pump mm -hmm. and what they actually get by selling it. So it's roughly that, to put it in layman's terms. There is a bit of complication in it because of taxes and levies that are uh, put on the fuel. Mm -hmm. But broadly, it is it, that difference, really. And that number has always been a whopping number that, you know, varies 50,000 crore upwards, really. So, and that's a number that was increasingly passed on to the fiscal deficit in various ways over the years. I mean, in the past three, four years, for instance, government has been issuing oil bonds. So this doesn't show up on the balance sheet. It doesn't show up on the budget, for instance. But mm -hmm. these bonds are something that uh, the government will have to pay up uh, 15, 16 years down the line. And uh, sort of the birds will come home to roost then. <laughs> so it is uh, really, it was a very, very strange sort of an ecosystem that we had evolved really uh, to keep the companies alive and yet to subsidize the consumer. Mm -hmm. And this is one attempt to get out of that. Right, so then what does it mean to the consumer? Do you, by the way, any chance commute to work? How, how far is a commute from home to work? Ah, it's about 15 kilometers, ah. uh, and I, I commute to work, but on a train. So <laughs> I'm not a user of hydrocarbon or a generator of carbon <laughs> emissions, for sure. <laughs> so, but I'm sure I'll have to pay... Uh, because fares would probably go up, maybe not on the trains, because mm -hmm. that is another uh, story. But yes, for the consumer, it is uh, really in the short term, not very good news, because prices would go up and they are expecting a 1% increase in inflation, because there is a sort of a secondary impact that uh, fuel prices always have on uh, transportation, on the cost of manufacturing for uh, companies. Mm -hmm. So immediately there is a danger of inflation increasing. And, uh, but to look at it in the long term, what it might mean is an increase in competition in uh, selling fuel because very soon if prices are really decontrolled, Reliance and SR and Shell, the private uh, companies, oil companies that uh, are in the petrol retailing business are also likely to get back to selling fuel. Okay. And uh, as we have seen in the last time around that this was done, the entry of competition has hugely increased the quality of service at gas stations. I mean, we had this new look petrol stations all over the country with toilets, with proper delivery, proper quantity and quality of fuel. Uh, adulteration has come down because of competition really largely. So these impacts will also be there and hopefully also eventually there might be a rationalization of taxes because what is killing the customer really in this case is on every liter of petrol, for instance, what you pay, 60% of it doesn't go to the oil companies but goes to the state governments and the center. It is uh, all sorts of sales tax and excise duty, etc. So hopefully, eventually, there would be a rationalization of these duties and uh, that should bring prices down.
But then will this new step by the government where it has decided that, look, the business of the government is not to be in business, so let's get out of this. Now, most of the percentage which would go to the government before will stay with the companies themselves. So will it, in fact, encourage certain amount of price competition, especially with players like Reliance India, SR Oil, who might make a return to fuel retailing and might just help the consumer and surprise us in a way? Uh, see, on fuel retailing, the price differential is never more than a couple of pesa here and there. Hmm. It's a volumes game. It's a volumes game. But that couple of pesa itself can be a make or break scenario because of the millions of liters of fuel that is sold, especially for large fleet operators and trucks which use thousands of liters on any long distance uh, journey. So in terms of prices also, there will eventually be competition and we saw that in around 2005 when the private sector had really begun seriously looking at selling fuel. Mm -hmm. But uh, by and large, it's not going to be, I mean, it's not going to be, say, like the low-cost airline or, you know, something as dramatic as that because the margins there are always two pesa and one pesa and three pesa. So it's unlikely that there would be a significant impact there. And uh, the way fuel prices internationally are going, and if this is going to be pegged to international uh, prices, the trend uh, is uh, hard, really, because with the recovery of the global economies, oil prices are likely to be firm, at least that's the immediate prognosis that we hear. Mm -hmm. And not only in the petrol uh, scenario, but the government has gone ahead and said they will increase the kerosene prices by 3 rupees per litre which is used by the poor, and then you have LPG that is used extensively by the middle class, and it's going to go up by 25 rupees. So in a, in a way, a majority of India's population will have to pay more out of their pockets. Absolutely. I remember Abhishek, in fact, uh, once going and meeting Dr. Vijay Kelkar, who was then the Secretary Petroleum, and uh, this was in the mid-90s, maybe around 96 or so, and uh, even at that time, talk of decontrol was uh, in the air. And uh, he showed me a picture behind where he sat, behind his desk, of a poor boy studying by a kerosene lamp. Mm. And he said that, you know, that it is, you know, it's okay for all of us to talk about pegging it with international prices and so on, but what will happen to this boy? And what will happen to the poorest of the poor, really? If it is, uh, you know, if oil prices, for instance, like two years ago, they zoomed up to $130, $128 a barrel, and it was pegged continues then and if we are truly, truly open market, then these uh, customers will have to pay more. Of course, the danger of that happening is <laughs> in India is very, very remote because the government has clearly said that if oil prices go up beyond the limit, they will step in. Now, again, that is what I meant when I opened this conversation with you, that there is no transparency on what that cap is. I mean, if they were clear that if the oil prices, say, breached the $110 mark or $100 mark, whatever that cap was, people would know what to expect. And there would be transparency in the pricing, which is uh, still not there. They're saying if the prices go up, we'll come in. Now, what that up means is uh, yet undefined. So is this really decontrolled then? It's yeah, it is really a half-hearted measure, honestly, but it is a step forward, mm -hmm. undoubtedly, because even this has taken about, uh, uh, what, eight years coming, really. Right. But on the other hand, if we give some credit to the government for the fact that their intentions are, let's reduce adulteration. For instance, in kerosene, it is said that the black market, uh, because of these enormous subsidies, 35% was lost to pilferage and black marketing, according to certain stats from NCAER. 
Now, with the prices being open to the market conditions or the market forces, do you see these things coming down? Because I'll give you an example. Recently, I was I was at a place called Savai Madhopur. It's in Rajasthan. And there, every member of that village said that this dealer or the person who gives out the oil there, or the kerosene there, rather, he's a big-time black marketer. He puts in wrong names in his... Uh, uh, register and shows it to the authorities and that's only because uh, it's being subsidized. So will these things reduce according to you? Yes, Abhishek. In fact, it's a very uh, valid point that you've raised. The big uh, issue here, what's been happening over the past uh, six decades since independence is that we have dieselized the economy. We've artificially kept the prices of diesel low. Internationally, diesel and petrol cost roughly the same. Here, by giving differential tax treatment, we have artificially kept diesel low because it's considered to be a mass market uh, product. Right. And kerosene is very often now, because kerosene is available at such low rates, it is used to adulterate diesel, like you said, you know, and kerosene prices are much, much lower than diesel prices. So mm -hmm. they are using that for adulteration and, and that's causing a massive loss, really. That is likely to change once... Uh, kerosene prices go up, although they have gone up really in a very small measure compared to the gap. There is still a 17 rupee per liter gap in the real the actual prices and the subsidized prices. And it has been left untouched since 2002, the kerosene prices. Do you see any politics involved in this? Because politics and economics, they can't be mutually exclusive in, in, in any country. So how much of it is driven by political forces? And apparently Mamta Banerjee... <laughs> Completely. Oil is a very, very political commodity everywhere in the world, Abhishek. And it's not only India. And it's not just Mamta Ji. It is like, uh, it's everywhere and it drives global politics, it leads to wars everywhere and it, it's extremely political and very price sensitive. Mm -hmm. It's not easy for any government to really, especially when people have got used to subsidies, you know. It's more that. I mean, in China earlier last year, when they decontrolled prices again, there was, uh, in Indonesia there were riots on the street and uh, mm -hmm. so it's uh, it's a problem that governments will have to deal with. And uh, But people get used to it. And the, and the fiscal, uh, with, with corrections on taxes, I think uh, the blow can surely be uh, managed. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned about China. Now, there are many countries in Europe, Japan, Philippines, where without any price controls, the inflation is about 2.3%. Whereas in India, with all the regulations, we, it's, it's up to 10. Is it ironic or is it just the way Indians are? And we are growing also at 9% Abhishek, while they are growing probably, they are probably collapsing instead of growing. So that again is a big difference. So we are at a different phase really compared to those countries. Great. On that note, I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. Thank you very much, Kogu, for your time. Thank you very much, Abhishek. For all you listeners out there, you can get this podcast on the homepage of Forbes India, that is business.in.com as well as theindicast.com. We would love to know your views on this very interesting and the latest development in the government on the oil prices. That's about it. Bye-bye.